Hey guys, before we get into the episode, there's a couple of things I want to share with you real quick about some upcoming events. One of them being from one of our sponsors, the Nate D Foundation. You might remember Nate's mom, Tiffany, from episode 84, where she shared the memory of Nate and how he was lost to a fentanyl overdose. And you can find more information on them at nate-d.ca. On June 24th and 25th, they are having their annual Nate D Memorial Slow Pitch Tournament in Aldergrove, BC at the Philip Jackman Park and Homerdale. Now, the tournament itself is full, but if you happen to be in the area, you can stop by and you know, buy into one of the raffles, make a donation, check out some food, watch one of the teams that, that have paid to get in and support this great cause. Remember, what they do is to send individuals who couldn't otherwise afford it abroad for trauma therapy, even locally for some counseling and therapy for people that, again, couldn't afford it. They do really great work, guys. They support the show. And, you know, if you could support them, that'd be great. If you're not in the area yet, consider going to the website. That's nate-d.ca and making a donation. Show your support that way. The final mention for upcoming events is you might remember Joseph Fourier from episode 94 and 95 and how we talked about losing his son Harlan Fourier to a fentanyl poisoning. With the pain of that loss, he has started the No Thanks, I'm Good campaign and they are having an awareness walk and rally to bring awareness to the high number of fentanyl poisonings and deaths in our communities that is in winnipeg manitoba on june 25th starting at 12 o'clock at the odita center now they don't have a facebook page or a website yet but they are getting to that in the meantime if you've got any questions don't hesitate to email me ashes to awesome podcast at gmail.com and i'll put you in touch those are a couple great causes to support and if you can please do thanks for listening guys now on to the show Mama, I got bad news, bad moods every day, brand new tattoos on my face. I don't hey everybody, welcome to the Ashes to Awesome podcast, Rising to Recovery. My name is Chuck LaFlange, and thank you for joining me while we take a mostly serious look at the realities of addiction and rising in recovery. This episode is brought to you by Together We Can, where Canada recovers from addiction. That's TWCRecoveryLife.org. Hello, listeners. Welcome to another episode of the Weekend Ramble. I am in studio today with my co-host. How are you doing today, Carl? Good stuff. Doing great, um, Chuck. And we're also going to call a co-host now. We might as well. She's been around enough times. Uh, Lisa, how are you doing today? I'm great. Thank you. How are you? I am wonderful. Thank you. So, and, of course, another returning guest yeah. slash we'll call our co-host as well. Why not? Lena, how are you doing today, Lena? I'm doing well, Chuck. Good, thank How you. are you? I, uh, I had our recording time a little bit off this morning, so the rest of you are getting into your day, and I'm just opening my eyes. So <laughs> uh, Carl was kind enough to wake me up and, and let me know. So um, This week, I guess uh, I, I've got to start out this week like I did last week, and that is to apologize for more missing time on the show. Um, the technical difficulties, uh, the move. Um and some other stuff kind of contributed to it. I missed a couple episodes, uh, Monday and Tuesday. And, uh, well, I guess we'll just have to try and do better this weekend. Um, go ahead. Uh, of if, course, you can. If, if I can just interrupt you, what Chuck meant to say was uh, he thanks you for <laughs> tuning in, even though he was unable to uh get a Monday and Tuesday episode out due and to this is exactly uh, why Carl life. the Atheist is going to be our new host next week and I'm going to co-host. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. All right. All right. Um, why don't we just get right into things, guys? Um, Monday, Wednesday, we're going right to the captain, which means we go right to Lisa, as we discussed last week. Right? <laughs> <laughs> we're going to let Lisa quarterback, um, I guess she's going to host here for a minute, right? And uh, 
Talk about Wednesday, how, to, how it went with the captain. Yes, love Wednesday. Um, yeah, I mean, as always, I love I love his shows. I love listening to him. I love, you know, hearing hearing the way he thinks about things. Um, so one of the things he talked about this week that, like, really stood out for me, and I feel like, you know, certainly for you, Chuck, I would imagine with doing the podcast, but just him talking about you know, how at the end of his days or the end of his weeks, like sometimes, you know, he doesn't feel like he's got anything left to give, you know, the people who maybe mean the most, you know, his family or whatever. And he talked about just the, he didn't use the term burnout, but just that sort of idea, right? And I could really relate to that. You know, like I, I definitely, I come in the door and like people will talk to me and I just feel like I stare at them. <laughs> and no words come out and I'm just like I like I just have no words left like I don't have words um and sometimes it's I don't have words and sometimes it's I don't actually feel like I have the capacity to listen anymore to people talking to me um yeah because like do you do you feel like that Chuck like doing this podcast and all like because it's heavy um I do and it's it's kind of funny that's my maybe it's somewhere in there is my addict brain but I really do feel like that, Lisa. And then when I don't do it this week, there's a big gap, right? So I guess it's finding that balance is what people keep saying to me, uh, that I do need to find the balance. But absolutely, though, I have to say, because of Brian, um, he helped me through that quite a bit. Because for a while there, it was like, fuck, like, I am constantly immersed in other people's sadness. And I, and I, He's kind of helped me take another look at that and, and, and kind of th- think about that differently than, I mean, just saying I'm immersed in other people's sadness, I think kind of lends you to, to, a, to a way of thinking that isn't going to be helpful. Right. So, um, but absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's, a, and I can only imagine in your capacity as a, as a psychiatrist, shit, right. Much more so even than, well, I, I don't think more so so I think because everything's relative. It's but, just different. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, and it's funny because on in some ways I feel like the work I do fuels me, like it feeds my soul, right? Like I feel like I get to go to work every day and at the end of the day I can, f- I go to sleep feeling like I helped somebody. And so that, that like fuels me. So it's a really weird thing, you know, it's on one hand you feel like it, it's really inspiring and fueling. And then on the other hand, yeah, there's days when like, I just am like, I just don't have, I got like, I just want to crawl into a hole somewhere. <laughs> stay there human, for a little so, while mm-mm. you know you know a great way to to deal with those stresses are to uh you know do your breathing exercises yeah, well, and in your white door exercises yeah <laughs> you know, find that happy place go back reorganize your values and reset yourself and uh we, we can thank uh the captain again right absolutely for that one absolutely um and and that 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 was actually uh, part of the answer for question one this week. Uh, is there a specific tool or thought process you use to cope with stressful situations? And, and that's exactly what he said. Was you know he goes back to those breathing exercises. He goes back to that white door experience. And uh, I think anybody that's had a stressful week, um, whether through addiction or, uh, or 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 just regular job stresses, it's it's good to take that time for yourself. Absolutely. Um, I, um, that, that white door exercise, I had mentioned it a couple of times in, in previous episodes, but not everybody catches all the episodes. Uh, I found myself just a couple of weeks ago, kind of reliving that when, when we were visiting the greenhouse and, 
it's just everything just kind of came back to me. It was what an amazing exercise that was, right? So uh, we were at the, at the cobblestone greenhouse here in Calgary and everything just kind of came back to me from that and what a peaceful time it was. And of course, for me, that is the last time that I was ever at peace, right? Was like, that was months before I left, like maybe a month before I left, uh, before I left home at 14 years old was when I was in that greenhouse, right? So everything changed so much after that, right? Yeah. Yeah. That it's, it's a seriously powerful exercise. I never would have imagined it was like that. Um, so Lena, do you got thoughts on, uh, on Wednesday? Uh, not on, uh, not, not on like that necessarily. It's that job stress sort of taking on is, I mean, I waitress part time. Oh, wow. Like, that's not fair. <laughs> I don't have the same, to. you know, I, I sort of don't really. <laughs> that also sounds stressful. <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I don't often want to come home and, and then serve the family after, but, um, <laughs> no, and you're right. I do, I have, I, I, I do have three jobs. They just, um, they're, they're not near, um, that level of, of intensity, you know, like I work with numbers and I work at the restaurant and so I, I can't relate there, but I can say that that is definitely not for me. I wouldn't be able to take on all of that. Um, you know, the, the sadness and the, the, the emotion, I wouldn't be, I just know in my, in my soul, I wouldn't be able to take that on on the daily. So like good on, on you, Lisa and, and the captain for being able to, to do that. It's, it's nothing I could, could bear. Um, it was interesting though, when, when the question was asked about the, the young and the old, like the older, you know, like I was actually really, really surprised that, that, um, that his answer was that the younger addict or person suffering with addiction would come out of it easier than because I would have thought like you said that you kind of just get tired you get to a point where you're just exhausted and you're done and I don't think that the 25 year old can be there yet you know what I mean so I was surprised that it was the other way and then when you pointed out the exhaustion I was like see that's where I would have gone with that is you just get to a point right so I I like that I thought it was I think that's funny Lena um that without being in that position, I, I don't think many people would look at it that the way that I did or the way that, that you, you would have, um, having not lived it. Mm-hmm. Right. So I, I think that's, that says something about your, you know, your EQ, right. At the end of the day, cause that's, that's a pretty insightful thing to say from somebody who, who hasn't. Right. But, and, and without, yeah. Right. Um, right. Okay. Again, he was speaking to the science and I guess Lisa, this is, you know, <laughs> kind of up, yeah, up your lane, right. The, the neuroplasticity of. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Like, I think he very much, you know, just in that moment, I think his, his thoughts when he was posed with that question went to like that, the biologic response, right around the neuroplasticity, which he talked about. But I can tell you that like in, in the work I do, I, my answer would have been the opposite. Um, And I, I've talked about that a little bit before, but I find with, with younger folks, they, there hasn't been, they haven't suffered as much. They haven't lost as much. They've still got some of that arrogance and naivety of youth. And, you know, they still feel more invincible. And I have definitely found, like, in the hospital that it's it's older patients who've suffered more, lost more, who are, they're just, they're done. They're tired. Um, 
you know, they're sick and tired of being sick and tired, right? The, that expression. Um, and I have found that older folks who've, who've lived this life longer, they're the ones who are who grab on to help that's offered to them. Like sometimes with younger folks, like I feel like I'm working harder than they are. And I will tell them, like, I will not work harder than you. Like, I will match you. I will fight for you. But I'm not, I can't do this in place of you, right? And I don't really have that experience with people who are older and 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 they're done, you know? So. And I think the one thing that you said, Chuck, um, was you you felt it would probably be the 40 year old i believe is what you said because of their uh lived experiences and the patterns and you know they're you know they're in that constant you know and you know it's it's really hard to make changes in life right like they say it takes 21 days to to make a change in your life to you know change your schedule or or get used to something whether it be a diet or exercise or anything it's going to take you 21 days um and and that really resonated with me but then as i as i continued to think about it I mean, I, I feel like saying that is almost discounting the twenty-year-old's um, problem with addiction. To to say that, oh well, you know, you haven't been at a, around it as much. You know, you're only twenty, and 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 things like that. I think are really detrimental to the person. Um, so I I would hate to anybody listening out there i would ha- i would hate to say that you know a 40 year old has it worse than a 20 year old I, th- I think they're both just as bad and i think there's uh different levels to it um absolutely it is the same is right. issue. Yeah. um, um I, I, really great example would be devon right if you listen to devon's story in his interview he's, he's 22 by the time he was done he's been sober since right you know so and, hey we're glad he didn't take on that mentality, right? It's how many people's lives would be, you know, so much different now if, uh, you know, if he didn't get his shit together at such a young age. And, you know, I mean, the guy's a, you know, he's a force in the recovery world anyways, you know. And, and I just want to reframe something like, so, cause I agree with what you're saying, Carl, like absolutely. Right. And I, the last thing I would want is for someone to take away like, you know, any kind of a negative message. I think that to me, the older person has, they have different challenges, right? And I think the older person, they are more set in this pattern and these behaviors. They've been doing it a long time. I also feel like with patients, the longer they've been using, I feel like they actually start to identify as addiction. Like it's like, that's just who I am. And there's almost like this acceptance sometimes, which can get in the way of of moving towards recovery. Like I said, I already mentioned, I think some of the challenges in, in the younger person is that there is sometimes that they just there's not the same motivation if they haven't lost as much just by virtue of there not having been as many years and as many people and whatever the story may be I think no matter what age you are I think if you're motivated to do it I think that you can do it and I think there's people who will help you do it um but it's just that yeah in the in the world I work in you know I would say if I if I were going to group them into regardless of age, who's who I think is ready and who's really grabbing on to all the resources that we're putting in front of them. It does tend to be older people um, who've lived the life longer. But again, you do have the, the Devons of the world, right? Who do it young. And mm-hmm. wouldn't that be miraculous <laughs> yeah, no kidding, if we had right? no more people? Literally half my life ago, 22. that would have been a very different world for me. Right? <laughs> Interesting about that is yeah. Ryan and I, speaking afterwards, yeah. Uh, he's brought that up a couple times now. 
in that he was just, I, he loved the fact that I, you know, challenged him on that or, or whatever. And it wasn't a challenge. It was just a different point of view. And it wasn't a right or wrong kind of question anyway. Right. It was just kind of a, you know, um, that it was just whatever. I just can't replace yeah. experience sometimes. And, uh, it, identifying as an addict. Absolutely. Lisa. Absolutely. Right. What else about Wednesday, Lisa? <laughs> See, notice how I asked that, by the way. Right? <laughs> I, I, I love the yeah. question. <laughs> um, question three, it was, um, can you become addicted to treatment or something to that effect? And Ryan, again, his take on it was around, you know, getting addicted to going to residential program after program. Um, but the other part of that, that, that where I went with that question because I've actually been asked this many times by family members where it's not so much that someone coming out of addiction, um, you know, becomes a repetitive sort of residential program attender. Um, but also people will come out of active drug using addiction. And then for example, they'll become these gym buffs and they're in the gym, you know, three hours a day, every day. And I've had families say to me, like, is, are they just shifting their addictive behaviors towards mm-hmm. something else like working out? Um, I don't really have an answer to it, to be honest, but I, I just think it's an interesting topic. It's something that I've s- certainly been asked about before. Um, I think my take on it is, you know what, like if they're going to the gym and it's not impairing their ability to tend to their other things in life, they're working, they're doing yeah. what they got to do, then go to the gym. Like, <laughs> I don't care, you know, choose your battles, right. Yep. Choose what you're going to, what you're going to pathologize. Um, well, and, and, yeah. and you wouldn't, I don't know what you guys think. You, about you wouldn't that. say that to somebody like your neighbor who's never suffered through addiction or anything that goes to the gym, you know, five out of seven days a week, you wouldn't be like, are you addicted to going to the gym? <laughs> is this, is this running your life? And it's like, no, I'm just trying to get healthy. Right. So, you know, to, to put it on somebody who had a, a you know, who had a problem or issues with addiction with drugs to automatically just think, Oh, well they're, they're addicted to this now. No, they're, they're just trying to better themselves. Um, and, and, but, but the big point that you just made was, is it affecting the other areas of their life? And, and I think if, if all you're doing is working out and studying your diet and blah, blah, blah. I mean, that's, that's an issue, right? Like you still need to, you know, do your laundry you still need to you know do the yard work you still need to cook yourself meals and and all that um so i don't think putting all your effort into something is really the addictive part i think the addictive part is when it starts to overrun your life like you said lisa i um i often i get questioned about uh, the commitment to the show and and the hours that i put in or, or whatever and you know you're just shifting or or whatever and I mean, it's just like anything else. You need to find balance, but, um, yeah, and most definitely I've replaced one thing for the other. I mean, I, yes, absolutely. And whether or not that's healthy and, and what levels you do it at, but, um, we'll address that when, if and when it becomes an issue. In the meantime, hell of a lot better this than, than the alternative, right? So it's kind of my attitude to it, right? You know, um, yeah, yeah, right. I mean, you know, whether or not it's healthy, it's a hell of a lot healthier. <laughs> so, you know, mm-hmm. Um, uh, Lena, what are your thoughts on, on that? Do you have any? Um, well, I just sort of have a question about that because it's, it's not part of my life experience. Recovery centers cost money. Yes. Uh, 
Lisa might be able to answer this one better than me. In the two, you know, our, our two sponsors here that are, you know, there's a recovery, revolution recovery. And, uh, together we can, um, both are, are private and publicly funded. So uh, the government gives, okay. if you remember the episode with Devin, he spoke about $35 a day is what the government yeah. gives him, right? For, for every person there. And okay. then the rest of, uh, of his, his fees would come out of, of the client's pocket or their family or, or whatever. Um, typically anyway. Okay. Cause with that question, like getting, you know, addictive to being in recovery centers, like at first I was like, Oh yeah. I mean, if you've been in, in, in addiction for a long time, you likely don't have a nice cushy home to go back to. So I was like, yeah, I mean, why wouldn't you want to be in a recovery center where you have somewhere to right. sleep and food to eat? And you know, of course. Right. But then I got thinking, I'm like, mm-hmm. Oh, but wait a minute, where do you get the money to do that? If they what? cost Right. If you, so, uh, uh, David Penny's episode uh, from Together We Can, he, he came on, uh, he works there mm-hmm. now, right? And, but he came with no money to BC, went to, to Together We Can, and somehow there was funding. So there is some, some routing of, of money that can happen. And, and Lisa, I don't know if you can speak to that part directly, but he didn't need money. He, they, they found it for him. So uh, I'm not sure how that works, Lisa, if you want to. So I don't know about like if you first arrive, because we'll have that sometimes, you know, people end up in Alberta and they're not from here. Um, and we have a an amazing social worker that I work with who fixes all of these problems. Um, but I know like coming into Alberta, like the first month would be really challenging. So, you know, I think after you live somewhere for it, sometimes it's 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, you'll have to, you know, be a resident there. And then they can get you public, then you would get your Alberta healthcare card or your BC healthcare card. And once you have done that, then you're entitled to access the provincial funds to support you going to these different programs. But yeah, from day one, Chuck, I'm not really sure. Um, I mean, there are certainly programs, you know, that you can apply to if, you know, if you don't have any other form of support and and there are sort of emergency funds that we can access to help people. But I think you show up into a province day one, pretty difficult to to get government funding to have them go to a local program. I think uh, in David's case, that was probably, you know, some special circumstances or something worked out rather well for him there. Because, yeah, I mean, uh, when you first get to a province, nobody's looking to give you any money from the healthcare system, right? Not until you've been established. So, but but even then, it's only partially public, uh, publicly funded, the state. So, so I'd be curious to see how they did that for him. Um, and it was, I guess that's what they do. I mean, they have a whole team of people there that's, you know, dedicated to the money side of things. So who knows? And there are some programs that are entirely paid for by the government. Um, you know, I think the downside to that is there's, those resources are so limited, right? And so then you're kind of limited to those programs as your Mm -hmm. options. And sometimes those programs have, you know, weeks or months wait to get in, um, and then the question is, where do these yep. people go in between, right? So, like, I'll see them in a hospital setting. They'll come into the hospital. Um, but then if they're no longer psychotic or suicidal or whatever, there's this pressure to discharge them. And we're trying to get them into residential treatment. And they're like, well, we've got a bed for them in nine weeks. And we're like, great, you know. So, um yeah, and then there's programs right, right. where it's partially funded by the government, but then topped up by people having to pay out of pocket. And then there's the other end of the spectrum where it's entirely private. And I mean, those programs can cost right. you I know. $3,000. Is month. that the same? Like in Canada, is it like right. that? I know in the US, that's kind of commonplace. But in, in Canada, we do it's the same wow. thing, that level of, of private money that has to go into that. 
That, that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's some programs in BC um, and I, I won't course, name them yeah. because I don't want to name them in the context of talking about how expensive they are. But there's a few programs out there that I know of that for to go there for wow. two months would cost you right. on par with about $70,000. 60 days times 500 a day. Yeah. Right. Wow. We're, we're halfway there almost. <laughs> so, you know, just just in what, what my, my habit used to cost me. Right. So it's, right? it's, it's not that much if you look at it that way, right? Yeah. Well, how the hell we do that? You know, again, addicts are the most resourceful people on the planet. Um, you did say something though about that waiting to go into treatment, like say out of the hospital. Um, uh, my experience from detox, um, you know, you're in detox for 10 to 14 days. You come out of there feeling awesome, right? And typically there's at least a 30, 45, 60 day wait. To get into any of the bit, into any of the treatment centers in, in Saskatchewan. And, um, that deficit there, I think if we could address that on, on, on a real scale, like on, on a mass, on a real level, we'd make the biggest difference in the world, right? Because you come out of there and you're supposed to now, you can't even get into treatment. And here's something I don't know if you, you would know, Lena or Carl, you can't even get into treatment without a clean piss test. So I've just come out of detox. And I have to stay clean on my own so that I can get to the place that's going to help me stay clean on my own. And, and you have to do it for a significant amount of time. Right. So that to me is it. What that's a chick in the armor, right? I, I don't know how one would ah, do that. And, and imagine being when, an addict, right? <laughs> so, like, yeah. Well, and yeah. I, I just can't because I'm thinking if you've, you've gone to, Detox, like what is the likelihood that you have the resources coming out? Um, like if you've hit a point in your life where you're going to detox, mm-hmm. what are you coming mm-hmm. home to? Yeah. When you're done your If you days are really, really like, lucky, you are like me and I had some family and, and everybody supporting me and, you know, an apartment to walk. Like I literally walked the last time I went to detox. I literally walked from there to my apartment and started my life and I was set up for success and my odds of success at that point were pretty slim. And I relapsed, you know, whenever within, within a month of that anyway. So, and I'm, you know, I'm pretty right. intelligent guy, you know, whatever, you know, motivated as shit because my life had gone horribly. So imagine the person that gets out of detox after 14 days or whatever, and is kind of, it doesn't have all those resources. Right. They come in a detox and the expectation yeah. is they go to a shelter. To a yeah. shelter. To wait right. for... So there's a huge deficit there. And it's, it's, yeah. Well, that's massive. And like, I'm I'm coming from a place of not yeah. having this experience with anyone in my life yeah. except for you. And even I can see <laughs> where that <laughs> shouldn't work. Like, you're just setting up for failure. Yeah, absolutely. Not, like, right. And... Yeah. I, I feel like there's no way that, that yeah. that's yeah. going to work very, out. It's very, very rarely, does it? Yeah, absolutely. But yeah. yet, yeah, I should say that very rarely because the waiting lists are there yeah. for a reason. Like there's people in those centers, so enough people got there with a clean piss test. Because that's that's what it's all about. It's just having a clean piss test when you get there, right, into treatment. Because it, you can drive all the way to wherever it is, six hours away from home, walk in the door, sit down, and if you've got a negative piss test or a positive piss test, I should say, out the door. You, no, sorry, we can't accept you, right? And it, it, it doesn't take much to uh, to set off a piss test. So if you've made a mistake, essentially, in, in, in those days, weeks, even months, between detox and treatment, you're done. You're not going into treatment, right? 
And it's just imagine, you know, I mean, a, a scenario where somebody had a, had a slip two weeks before, a week before. One of the things that I feel very lucky, <laughs> you know, as a resident, right? So you, psychiatry, you do a five-year residency program. So you're working with a staff psychiatrist. And at the end of the day, you have no authority. It's up to your, your, your preceptor, the staff doctor, what they do. Then you get to become a staff doctor. And then you can say, well, guess what? I'm going to hold this patient in hospital for the next four weeks. And then I'm going to put him in a taxi that is told not to stop until they get to the doors of the treatment center. And we're going to do door to door. But I can tell you that I get pressure doing that. Like I have management going, why are you not discharging this person? Send them to a shelter. Um, and I, I, there are times I have, um, for sure. I can't do that all the time. But when I see people who are doing this revolving door and you can see that they're trying and they're fighting and they don't have family and they don't have housing and they don't have supports, I've also had times where I'm like, I'm not discharging them. I'm going to keep them here. And I feel very lucky like that I am in a position where I get to make that decision. You know, I don't have someone who can tell me that I must discharge them. They can pressure me to do it. Um, but and, and I do it because it's not fair. Like it is not fair. This is a huge gap in the system. Um, these people are fighting for their lives. And so to me, it's like, you know, what do I think as a physician that they need? They need to not be sent to a shelter and they need to not be sleeping under a bridge or on a bench. And so they're going to stay here with me. Um, and then they'll go door to door to treatment. Um, I, I that's one of my favorite things about my job. <laughs> so. But it is, it's a really big hole. Well, and, and just because you release them, just because you release them to the shelter, there's no guarantee that they're getting into that shelter because the, the shelter is full too. You know, there's a lineup every day at, you know, 4.30 for people trying to get in. And if you're not close enough to the door, I mean, they're going to turn you away and you are sleeping but under I the bridge or living in a tent along Memorial Drive. stay in the shelter either. Like, oh, yeah. You're free, to, <laughs> yeah. You're free yeah. to go. You're not necessarily yeah. free right. to come. But, you know, mm -hmm. once you're in... I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but often at the shelters, like you're in at like whatever time in the morning and then they want you to piss oh, yeah, off for yeah, a few yeah. hours and then you come yeah. back at a certain time, right? So you're left to your own devices mm -hmm. still. Yeah. And that's what you're still, All day. this scenario is you're, you're still one of the lucky ones that, that there was got a bed in a shelter and, right? And you're set up for failure. It's just the, the harsh reality of it, right? And, and here's where. If you listen to that interview with Devin, and, and we've covered it with Ryan as well, where the whole harm reduction argument becomes, they start to argue with this, right? That funding, mm -hmm. the money that goes into that, they make a pretty strong argument, could be funneled into, hey, how about treatment for people that want it, right? How about we do that, right? <laughs> you know, and then what? Mm -hmm. They've really made me rethink harm reduction based on this conversation right here in the biggest way. Right. In the, in the biggest way. Um, it, it's funny once you're exposed to some really well laid out arguments, how fast your, uh, your mind can shift. And, and mine certainly, uh, I, I try to keep my opinions to myself and make this a platform for people to offer theirs. Uh, so, so I won't, uh, I won't toe a line, but I'll certainly say that it's certainly, it's made me rethink a lot 
about about things and 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 that's why right you know yeah they have halfway houses for people that get out of prison but they don't have a halfway house for somebody out of detox waiting for treatment (laughs) and and i mean that the 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 people going through treatment aren't necessarily criminals um you know maybe they've done some pardon me maybe they've broken some laws um but but the fact that we would give a, a convicted criminal a better shot at surviving than we would somebody who suffers through addiction is yeah uh, broken right, right. kind of lack of funding me. in yeah shit you can take money for I said that actually in one of my my first conversations with Ryan I couldn't begin to tell you what episode because it seems like a lifetime ago uh, I said well there's only there's limited resources and he got quite loud right off the bat and said no that is limited it's not about limited resources we got you know enforcement that this war on drugs shit we've got you know all these places we can take money from and put it into funding that, that might even been a private conversation between us thinking back but uh, I, I think about that every single time i use the word resources or limited beds anytime i say that in in uh in outside the show and inside the show that conversation quickly runs through my mind about yeah, maybe it's not about limited. Maybe it's just about redirecting some of these and things. Even you know, like I've I've mentioned it one time. I think it might have been the first the first uh, Rambler that I did with you guys. But they've done studies and they've repeated the same study um, multiple times in multiple countries. Like it's been done in Australia, the U.S., and Europe. Um, and they've looked at the cost of treating people with addiction and the cost of not treating them. Right, and for every dollar you spend treating somebody with an addiction. The economy, the government, your country saves somewhere between six and ten dollars. And like this study's been done, but they don't actually (laughs) ROI, right? Yeah. Like you've got you you did the study for a reason, but it's like they've they've Mm -hmm. got the study, they've got the results, multiple countries, Mm -hmm. same answers, and yet we still don't see more money being funneled into treatment. Right? And but as as an economy for like your election treat, cycles. Provide treatment, open up more treatment centers, have more treatment beds. Um, but it doesn't seem to translate, right? And I think we had talked about how, you know, politicians don't really care because they're only there for four years. And um, but anyways, that's you know, that's something that's that's been well studied and but it's not translating into what we're seeing done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um yeah, right. Well, and it, it amazes me that, you know, if there's a earthquake, earthquake or a tornado in the middle of Kansas, you know, our, our federal government, our provincial government, they come up with millions of dollars to help, you know, rebuild a city in the middle of Kansas because they got devastated by this tornado, which I, I get it, right? They, they do need help. But you're talking about fixing uh, a city for 10,000 people. But you're not going to fix a broken system for the thousands of people in your yeah. own country yeah. that are suffering and dying. Um, to me, it seems I, a no-brainer. Throw that so money in we're, there. We're not going to turn this into that show. But I, I think the whole world looks at Canada sometimes these days with our federal government and, you know, and sees what we're doing that way. You know, about re- redirecting funds. Ah, oh, shit. We better not. Okay. <laughs> All right, let's not get down that that path. Pretty easy. To, pretty easy to do as a as a guy on the prairies to start talking about that kind of thing. But yeah, <laughs> so maybe maybe we better kind of just steer away from that, right? Um, yeah. 
Well, regardless no, of what colors of power, neither team is doing it. I just love where Ryan went with that response. Um, he had been asked about, um, you know, could he talk about a patient who had had success and kind of, you know, what had led to that success. And a lot of that conversation kind of revolved around, like he had said at one point, that kid doesn't live here anymore. This guy does. And and not sort of indicting ourselves on our past. Um, and I just, it's interesting, like I obviously I think that plays into it. And I think that there's, you know, there's an undercurrent there of talking about the shame component of addiction. Um, but I just, yeah, I loved that whole concept of, you know, don't punish yourself and be ashamed of yourself for who you were or who you believe you were a year ago or five years ago. Like, look at, look in the mirror now, look at who you are today, look at what you're trying to do today. And, and let's, let's honor this person. Right. Um, yeah, I really liked that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that's all we can do. Right. I, I mean, yeah. I, I, some of the conversations I had with, uh, with that person yesterday, um, uh, about getting away from and identifying and, and you know, being ashamed of, I'll, I'll speak about that for a minute. I talked about guilt versus shame. That was for me. That's one of the b- most profound episodes I've, I've done with Ryan. Um, is really defining those two things because when, it's especially like when you're still in active in a big way, when you're still in active addiction, I should say. Let's that sound like I said inactive. Um, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> silly thing, but um. That it is guilt and shame. There is no differentiating between the two. There just isn't, right? And um, I, I felt that by explaining that to her yesterday, that I really helped. And that's that's a that's a Ryan thing through and through, right? Is that that guilt and shame? And um, it, yeah, you, you identify with it. You you are you are it. You are all those things. So when you can come out on the other side, like we are now, I'll jump ahead. Uh, our conversation, Lisa. Uh, later in the week and, and I'll, I'll touch base on it real quick and then we can, or we'll see how the conversation goes over and over in my head. If there had been a show like this 20 years ago, when you, when you had said that, you'd said that a couple times in the conversation that it just, it just blows my mind. Like I keep thinking about the, the impact of that. Right. And you know, and then I feel really good about it. But if I was still identifying as that person or stuck as that person who, who I was in active addiction, none of this happens, right? So it's, it's so important that, that we don't, right? It's just so important, you know, cause, uh, somebody in recovery can do some great things and you put a, bu- a bunch of people around them and a bunch, yeah, it, it, unlimited access to unlimited potential. <laughs> Another thing that we've heard Ryan say over and over again. And, um, yeah. So somebody help me out here, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Totally, I mean, that it, is the it best. It makes you way wonder what society is missing, um, <laughs> right? With some of these yeah, people yeah. being, you know, like with these people in active addiction or or trying mm-hmm. to be in recovery. Like, what are we missing? Are we missing that great journalist? Are we missing that great mathematician? Are we missing that great mm-hmm. psychiatrist or therapist? Um, you know, we don't know what we're missing. Um, but it, I'll say it again, it's in the best interest right. of any government mm-hmm. to to fix this issue because these people will become pro- productive members of so, so, pardon me, society 
And uh, at the end of the day, right, yeah, yeah. there's going to be more revenue for the government. It's more tax. Right. So if, if if you fix it, you get more money. And with more money, you can fix more things. Um, seems like common sense to us. Um, you know, I wanted to be a politician, but unfortunately, <laughs> I passed the IQ test. Um, you know, it just it, – it, it blows my mind. Like, quit thinking four years out. No kidding. Like, we need to think – 20 years out what can we do in the next 20 years to fix this i mean we're thinking 20 years out for the clock mm -hmm. mm -hmm. i think unfortunately it, it's that i was just thinking that if more you know like celebrities come out and they talk about their experience with xyz whatever and the general public latches onto that and they and they they follow that i wonder if more celebrities who've been through rehab like recently it was uh rob lowe celebrated you know 33 years of sobriety and i wonder if more celebrities came out and actually talked about their experience in recovery if that wouldn't sort of kickstart like unfortunately we're of that culture where we would rather follow a celebrity yeah. than just the average person right and i wonder if there was more people talking i think the about challenge there way. is for a kardashian to come out and, and do it through the public system, through the way that I would have to do it or the way that you would have to do it, is it doesn't happen, right? Because so to them, what is it, Betty Ford is the, that's the big one in the US, right? That, you know, the, the hoity toity mm -hmm. one. And I'm sure there's a dozen others or more, but when a celebrity talks about going through rehab, it's a, it's an abstract concept to most of us, right? Because it's this, you know, right? Right. But I'm wondering if more of them actually did it instead of saying, I went to recovery, I yeah. feel great. My life is, mm -hmm. is better now. If there were more sort of detail behind that. But, but that's what I'm referring more, to. Yeah. Like your podcast is yeah. doing, right? Like if people Just got to see it, right? Talked more in depth and, uh, about the experience. The challenge with yeah. that is maybe I'm wording it wrong. Um, when celebrities, it's, it's, it's a totally different experience for a Kardashian than it is, say, a LaFlanche, mm -hmm. right? So it, it's yeah, kind of hard to, re to relate to the masses. You know what I mean? When, when you're, yeah, when you're yeah, showing up fair. in a limo. And, you know, right? and, you know, somebody's carrying your, your bags, mm -hmm. not your duffel bag up to your room. And, you know, it's a totally different experience. So it's kind of hard to relate to. Yeah. Um, no, fair enough, I do yeah. feel that, and, and it's something that we've, we've talked about, you know, because now we have a couple of sponsors in the recovery thing to being able to follow somebody through that process and talk to them as they're going through that process. That might, that would be mm -hmm. a, impactful in a big way. And if we could get that message out to the masses. But follow a layman, like a, a normie, or not a normie, but yeah, follow somebody, mm -hmm. you know, closer to to my level of, of, of income and social status and all those things that, through that process and, and show some successes. That that would be where the, you know, but then you're not a celebrity, so it doesn't yeah, get out to the masses absolutely. and shit. It's, you know, it kind of misses the point you're making, right? Right. Yeah. Um, that said, I, I think, you know, we kind of have been following somebody along and I hope that over the time, um, you know, which again, we're kind of skipping ahead till Friday's talk now, but I think over time, maybe there's an opportunity to kind of see what happens and, and follow somebody through that journey. But, um, again, that's, that's premature to even talk about that anyway. But, um, are we ready? Are we ready to move on to Thursday? Yeah. Okay. Make that edit, please, Carl. Um, Thursday. So just the tips, which was episode 100, right? Um, I, I couldn't even – I was taken back that all of a sudden Scott was telling me it was our episode 100 because, of course, you know, I hadn't published 99 yet. 
So that, that just hadn't clicked in my brain because so, I actually hadn't said, Hey, episode 99 or, you know, titled it, it, you know, on the, on the platform that we use to, to upload the episodes. So it hadn't occurred to me. And Scott's kind of blindsided me with that episode 100, which is pretty cool, right? The way he does, right? <laughs> you know, um, uh, Lena, let's start with you on that one. Um, well, first of all, yay, 100. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you right? Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I, I, I love listening to Scott. Um, I think, I think the problem, okay, sorry, I don't want to start with a problem. The, my biggest takeaway from, from that episode was, um, this podcast's influence on his podcast. Like he has this nice, successful, funny We'll be right back after this quick PSA. This public service announcement is brought to you by Revolution Recovery, helping men recover and become their best selves through treatment and therapy. They've been there and they understand. Hey everyone, this is Ryan Bathgate, uh, also known as the Captain from Kaleidoscope Wednesdays. I wanted to bring a public service announcement to you today about Narcan, also known as Naloxone. These kits have saved so many lives over the years. Uh, I can attest for that. Being in the industry for so long, I can tell you since we've had the opioid crisis declared in 2016, it has saved thousands of lives, and I've watched it personally save hundreds of lives. These kits are small, easy to use, can keep them in your glove box or in a cupboard in your home, and you never know when somebody's going to need them. If you have a hard time finding a Narcan kit in your area, just email us here at ashes to awesome podcast at gmail.com, throw Narcan in the subject line, tell us where you are, and we'll do the legwork to find that for you. If you wanted to send me a question for my Kaleidoscope Wednesdays, Again, email ashes to awesome podcast at gmail.com. We will read that question on air and I'll do my best to answer it in a comprehensive way. Uh, that's all I have for now. Uh, we'll go back to the show. Thanks for listening. Podcast, and then he mentioned that just partnering with you a little bit, that they've brought these serious conversations into. Uh, the no new friends. And I, like, I think that's brilliant. Like if you can, if you can change like mm-hmm. their format, but they're keeping it funny. Of course. I, I just love that your, your new podcast has, has had that effect on their 200 episodes. Yeah. Right. Podcast. Yeah. yeah that right. was great. Um, yeah. I, that, that I do like that. I really do like that. Um, one of the things about Scott, he's mentioned it a few times. It's like, it's because of you or it's this, and, you know, it's, it's this thing that we never even knew about ourselves. And, uh, I'd said to him once, and, um, and I don't know if this is an original thought or something that I picked up over the years, but in order to be funny, like consistently really funny, right? You have to have a high EQ, you know, like if you're going to talk to other people, if you're going to make other people laugh on, on any sort of regular basis, you have to, you have to have an EQ for that. Right. And, and I don't know really how true that is, but I'm pretty sure it's true. And I don't know if Lisa, if there's anything in there that you can speak to, but, um, you know, being a psychiatrist. So he has had that the whole time. He, you know, he just happened to express it with me when he, when he interviewed me, which was whew, what an episode that was for me anyway, uh, horribly real. And, <laughs> but that's just who he is as a person. And, and so I think for him is a much more, natural progression into what he's doing now than than what he would admit anyway right or to himself or try to anyway 
Okay. And uh, how about yourself there about uh, about Thursday KTA? Well, Thursday, I liked. I like how you guys are doing it now. Like the lists, the lists were fun and they were funny. But uh, I like the conversations that you guys had uh, last week and this week. I, I think, uh, I think I enjoyed that more than the lists. Um, the lists are funny; they're a little goofy. Um, but you know, uh, it, there's a way that you can still do a serious topic and and, and make it fun. Um, you know, I, I liked how you guys recapped last week's, uh, you know, Scott's stresses and, 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 and how he thought of you and how he still thinks of you. Um, um, I did, I also wanted to mention that, uh, that episode where you guys were bleeping the word should. <laughs> I, I, I absolutely laughed out loud. Like, I'm not even, like, that's, I was listening to it. I'm like, what is he doing? This is ridiculous. I love it. Right. Like, and, and it just kept coming and know, coming. Right. right? Like, just yeah. this beep, beep. And it, it, you know, it's, it's like, uh, they used to do that skit. I think it was on Jay Leno or something or, uh, David Letterman where they do the, uh, um, unnecessary, uh, censorship, you know, where they were just censoring words that would make you, infer another word over top of it but uh yeah i i really like that i liked how you guys talked about your favorite episodes um yours being number 10 of course moms and demons um um i just wanted to say my favorite episode um i don't believe it's still on the list i think the episode of it's, it's it's the monkey right like the monkey <laughs> the monkey episode like that's a story that i've told for the last like what 30 Damn years Damn right yeah, yeah, yeah. like people talk about well what's you know what's the craziest thing you ever you know i'm like fucking buddy brought a monkey in a laptop bag of course right it got a, you know what happens when you have a monkey in a laptop bag it gets out and monkeys go crazy yep, right yep. like i i love that episode um <laughs> But I, um, I did want to ask you, um, other than your favorite episode, who's been your favorite guest or co-host <laughs> and how hard is it for you to decide that it was me? <laughs> well, well, you know, um, okay. I, I need to, uh, Lena and Lisa, I need you to turn off your earphones for a second. Carl. Carl, you've been my favorite. <laughs> Carl and Lena, I need you to turn off your earphones for a second. Okay, all right. <laughs> That's great. That's great. So now I have to take that opportunity. No, no, but but yeah, seriously, yeah. Um, is is there one interview or or co-host that you've had on that has made mm. a particular impact on you? Other than other than Ryan, of course, because Ryan is kind of. He, he he's more than a co-host yeah, to you, right? Yeah. He's, he's a friend. He's a confidant. Yeah. Um, but other than Ryan, I'll say. Sorry, Ryan. <laughs> Ryan so Ryan's got lots of impact in lots of ways. Um, that is tough. I think in the moment, with the pressure of that question, I, it's, I don't know. You know, the first thing that pops into my head and is, is Scott because that interview he did with me, right? And even that though isn't about the to me that's about the impact that may have and, and probably had with some of my memorial mums because you know he fuck let's be honest he got me to admit to you know to selling fentanyl and you know and, and I've got these memorial mums 
I think uh, for Raw Impact, that, that might have been it, you know, at, at least other people. Um, and myself, I don't know. I, I, I don't think I can answer that with the pressure of it. I, I just never thought of it before, right? So, you know. Well, yeah. I, th- I think that's you know, a good answer. Uh, I mean, he, he really broke yeah, you down yeah. and, and made you open up about some things that you never really wanted to discuss yeah, on it. Right. And he did it in a really great uh-huh. way, too. So, you know, I, uh, I love him for that still. I, I think it was a conversation that needed to be had. And, and now that it's out there, it's out there. So I don't, you know, it's not, yeah, anything you don't say out loud, right? You have to deal with intrinsically. And, and yeah, that was, that was a big deal. I don't, did, I know you did, Lena. Lisa, did you ever listen to that interview? I did not. What number is it? Lisa? Ah, um, we'll have to go back and find that one. If, uh, yeah. Uh, if you, uh, go ahead. Is somebody going back to look for it? Or am I going back to look for it? Yeah. Yeah. I'll, okay. I'll okay, okay. Good, good, good. Uh, so Alex, uh, edit that out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So to set that up a little bit, um, we were looking for something for a Tuesday. Carl had that, that comes from, from you. That's right, Carl. I forgot about that. I, I was staying at their place out near, yeah, whatever. I was staying at their place and, Carl and I had many conversations very on levels that we had never had when we were 20 and hanging out. Right. It was very, very different now with a, with a lot of life experience in between, you know, the, the last time I'd seen him up until then. And I, he was kind of interviewing me without interviewing me. And we were going to do that. Uh, like he was hearing some of the things I was talking about, some of my story and not the crazy funny shit that we've taken out of the episodes, but some of the real stuff that's happened. And, and he's like, we need to, you need to tell more of your story. People don't realize some of your story here. And, and we decided that him and I were going to do it, but life timing, whatever, him working night shift, it, it, it's kind of, it's, it's hard to work that out. So circumstances being what they are, it led to, to, uh, to me asking Scott, if he would do that interview. And in the end, what a great move that was. Right. I, I mean, I'm, I'm sure Carl would have done a fantastic job, but Scott is Scott. Right. And, 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 uh, he, he did it right. He did it right. You know, so. Yeah. That was episode 64 for anybody oh, okay. listening that wants to yeah. go back yeah. and listen. Um, um, yeah, I, like the weekend rambling used to be final thoughts Friday. Uh, me and Chuck would record at around three o'clock in the morning on Friday morning. <laughs> um, cause I didn't get home till 2 a.m. Um, so yeah. And it just, it lacked energy and, you know, I'm tired from a 10 hour shift and he's tired from waiting for me to get home. And then, yeah, so this, this Saturday morning recording is a lot better. And I, I think, uh, yeah, I, I just feel more energized when I record in the morning as opposed to mm-hmm. after a 10 hour yeah, shift. Without a doubt. If you go back and listen back to back to, to what used to be a final thoughts Friday and a weekend ramble, the difference in energy is it's, it's almost tangible, right? There's a huge difference there. So. Uh, I, I think that was one of the best moves we made so far. Like Ryan said, the weekend rambles one of two that he won't miss, right? Because it's like you get to go back and listen to the whole week without listening to the whole week if, if you're too busy to do that. And um, it's funny this this one is uh, the concept of the weekend has shifted so much. It's it, like it's it's evolved and it's changed and it's it's you know between Carl and I and our conversations. Uh, it, I'm really glad it's landed where it has now. When I'm telling somebody about the show, this is what I tell them about. Um, this is one I tell them not to miss, right? Because you can go back, you know. 
If you hear something that you like from another episode, you can always go back and re-listen to it or, you know, cause they're, they're there forever. Um, except for maybe, you know, one through nine. <laughs> well, the thing is, is the episodes that are, are missing are, are, you know, they're, they're one, eight, ten, whatever they are, like they, they don't count up directly. So when we say we're at episode 102 now, two, there's actually like 15 episodes missing. And what a great chance for me to plug. If you go to the Facebook page, the, uh, yeah, it's just awesome Facebook page. Um, there's a pinned post up at the top to the uh, Buy Me a Coffee app, uh, which you, you, you may have heard of anyway. Uh, or if you just go to Buy Me a Coffee and look for Ash is Awesome. In there, you can actually buy access to those missing stories for $10. Uh, one-time fee. It's, it's not a monthly subscription. Uh, you can you get access to to all of those stories, the PG-13 stories, I call them. Um, because And the reason I had to call them a PG-13 is for $15, right? you get access to the R-rated as well. And uh, continued update of anything that goes into the, in either one of those categories. Um, and for a one-time fee, there's no monthlies. And uh, I'll let the, I'll, you know what, I'm not even going to describe the R-rated stories, uh, except to say that the name, the, that rating comes honestly. Right? There's, there's some, there are they rated. are R-rated as, as, as F. Right? Can I R-rated as F? Um, there are stories that I did not want ever even when I was doing the stupid, funny PG-13 stories that I ever wanted my mother to hear or potential sponsors to hear. So right, I, had like, I, uh, I had to separate those out. And, and even now, I'm like, do I really want anybody to ever hear those? <laughs> like, you know, but they are what they are. And they were, you know, uh, there were some crazy times back then. Right. And uh, Lisa, I will never <laughs> sell you that membership. If I see your thing come through, I will not send it to you. Um, right. <laughs> I feel like you don't have 25 years of knowing me to frame that around. So <laughs> it gets pretty bad. Yeah. So I don't know if I just, yeah. Yeah. I don't know if I helped that uh, sales of that or not just now. Yeah. We'll see. Right. But, and my mother's God, sorry, mom, don't ever listen to it. Okay. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I think that, uh, that covers Thursday quite well. Um, except you know what? Episode 100. Holy shit. Right? Um, Lena, you, you've been there since... I think I was recording episode 6 when you sent me that random donation. And I remember looking at my phone going, Lena, what the... Right? <laughs> you know? Um, it was something like that anyway. It couldn't have been much more into it than that. Right? Yeah, yeah. And of course, Carl, right around that time as well, I guess. Yeah, but right around that time is when you would have started, you know, listening to the show. C- Kind of crazy. I, I was listening to that monkey one last night, as a matter of fact. It's funny that you had mentioned that. You know what? I'm going to put that up as a, as a quick little bonus episode. I'm going to republish it. Hell with it. Right? Why not? You know, uh, it's the work's already done. Um, with a caveat about the sound quality. Blue, geez. Uh, right? <laughs> that was a long time ago now that the show's evolved. Oh, I was so run blah, blah, blah. So going back to those days and, and listening to that, like I did last night, the sound quality, the uh, the elements in the show, like the, I didn't have a PSA yet at that point. Uh, shortly after that, that we started doing a PSA, but even that was a very different thing than it is now. So much has evolved. It seems like a lifetime. It, it, it seems like three shows ago, for crying out loud, right? Uh, what we've what we've come to now with the help of you know all of you and so many more as well. Uh, one of the one of the big things about that, my mom. Wasn't a big fan of that. Uh, she supported me in it, but it was like, well, if that's what you want, you know, go ahead. And 
Um, she had said to me once, once you find your why, the rest will just come naturally. And I think episode eight-ish, six, well, no, episode six was my first real episode, uh, like any sort of issue. But I stopped doing the crazy, stupid ones around episode 20 altogether. And that's when the why really kicked in. And that's when that's when we got our legs under us is, is a show that, that really counts for something. And then, of course, that shift that, that we talked about on Thursday as well from Dobie Canuck to Ashes to Awesome. That's, that's what it really begins for me anyway, right? Um, you know, it's just, it, it went from trying to do what somebody else is doing to doing what we do. And what we do is pretty great. So I'm, uh, uh, you know, this, that was a big shift. And here we are at episode 102. That is just hard to believe, you know? Yeah. So it's a lot of hours between then and then, between then and now. So, um, so thank you uh, to, ev- to everybody, to, to every person that's contributed anything to the show. Your your thoughts, a, a donation, a, a a guest spot, whatever, and and to the listeners because things have gone a little crazy since then, and uh, we got a lot of people paying attention to us now, and that's pretty awesome. Okay. Moving on to Friday, um, I don't know if I should start or end that with you, Lisa. Uh, <laughs> actually, we're going to go to Carl on that Friday. Let's talk about that first of all. The stars aligned because I just love how uh, Friday's episode was one-on-one and it was with Lisa and you guys covered a lot of facts. You know what I mean? Lisa one-on-one, right? Um, It it really broke down uh, her experience with her brother, um, what happened, how she felt, what they did as a family. you know, right up to him going off with Devin, uh, that, I mean, that beautiful painting she showed us last week too. So impactful. Um, Lisa, can you send me a yeah, picture I, of that I, so I, I can put it, it up on the Facebook wall? That painting? Yeah, please. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I think now's a great time yeah, to put that, that up. Yeah. That was an amazing painting because now whenever I speak of Lisa and her brother, um, that's the image that I see. Like that's that's the image that I see is is him and Devin in the doorway of the sliding doors, you know. Like it's just it's so impactful. I, I love it. I love it. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, it was we we had kind of heard pieces of of Lisa's story through Devin um, and 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 Lisa just bringing it up, but to to get it all in one place now um you know it was it was a long time coming for sure uh appreciate you opening up about it lisa um yeah it was it was it was great i'm not sure that i have a a a takeaway from that other than i have a little bit more understanding on how loved ones are, are are feeling in in those moments and uh you know, I, I think, uh, you know, one of, one of the parts, even though it's a very serious story, one of the parts that made me actually laugh out loud was, uh, you know, when she was talking about, we used to sit in that parking lot at the detox to make sure he'd stay there. And I told him, if you come out, my boyfriend's going to beat you up <laughs> or, or kick your ass or whatever. However, she said it. Right. But it was like, yeah, right. Like, no, you're, you're going to do this. I'm your sister. And I'm telling you, because that's. Uh, you know, that's how all three of my sisters used to be with me, right? It was, uh, just do it because you're the young mm-hmm. one. So, the timing, Carl, 
I had a conversation with Lisa after the fact. I think it was the next day, right? And I said, it's been on my mind for quite a while to do that interview with her. I'm not sure why I didn't, except to say the universe had timed that. Because when we talked about her brother coming home in that app, like that was a complete surprise to me when, when she had mentioned that he was coming home, what is now yesterday or, you know, and maybe that's why that may, that's, that's the timing of it. I think is so perfect that, that we did it then because, you know, it gives us an opportunity to go back and talk to Devin again, which I want to do anyway. There's, there's a few things that, 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 that lead up to this and I, I can only speak to that. Before we move on, and I'll get your thoughts in a second here, Lena. It, something that I wanted to share with Lisa too, and and whatever I'll just share it with the world. So there's a there's a family member that I have been having trouble with the love model explaining it to them, and uh, at supper in in the middle of that interview, I had supper with that family member, and um, being able to say some of the things like the parking lot and you know. It was almost passive aggressive of me, but it felt really good, you know, uh, to be able to say, to speak about this love model and, and this is what things are supposed to look like now, right? This is, this is what we're supposed to do as families and as loved ones is love them like this, right? Um, it felt really good to say that actually. I'm not going to lie. So, um, the timing of that was pretty crazy too and how that could have worked out. Um, Lena, your thoughts on Friday? Um, I, uh, it was a long time. <laughs> it's, uh, it's Lisa. Really, Come on. You had to see I that coming right now. Really, <laughs> yeah, right. And, Love you, Lisa. I'm kidding. No, but it was, it was so great because I, I, uh, I learned so much in that episode. Like you're, you're so well-spoken and you're, you're so great at bringing your experience to this. Like I love all of the, you know, the memorial moms and when we catch up with them and, and they talk about, you know, what it was like when they were going through it. But, um, there were things about the episode that I'd never really considered before. Um, I have notes. And one of the big ones was when you guys struggled with giving him money. And I'd never really thought about how hard that would be when you're considering giving money and this is a place to, to stay or is it going to drugs? And I can't, I can't imagine what that struggle would be when you have a loved one who's suffering and you are, are you're, am I enabling them or am I helping them? You, and, and I like that just, it was like this light bulb went off and I thought with that, that can't be easy. Like sitting in a parking lot at detox is not easy. Having a brother. Yeah. Anyway. So that for me, that was, that was a, 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 like I said, a light bulb moment for me, how hard that would, how hard addiction is for the entire family. You know, like I, I, I can see it from, you know, someone who's suffering from addiction, but now you've brought, and we've been bringing the families back, but it just, there were so many moments in the episode that really made it clear how much the family, you know, suffers along with. Um, and then, uh, sorry, I'll cut this short. The, the, the best part of that episode though, is when you said you saw your brother as a gift and you saw everything about his, you know, addiction. It was a gift because it brought you to this place where you are now. And I thought that was such a wonderful 
just a wonderful way to look at the bright side of all of this. Like, like with my own kids, I'm very big on let's find the bright side. Yeah. Okay. You had, you had a really sucky day. Let's find the bright side. Being able to find the bright side of something like that. (laughs) That's huge. That can't be easy. That's well said, Lena. Really well said. Imagine how many people and, and, this might make you uncomfortable for a second, Lisa. How many people's lives would not, you know, have been affected by that now that, that, that drove Lisa into her current profession, that she is now one of two, but can only be too few people in the medical field with a lived experience behind their education that, that can, that can say, no, I'm keeping this person, you know, I'm, no, I'm, I'm keeping them as, uh, as certified or whatever the, whatever the right term there is. Lisa. How many people's lives have been affected by that? Right. And, and now more, you know, as, as the show grows too, and, and people we can touch, Lisa, that's amazing. And it's, uh, you know, your brother's experience by extension is a gift to many, many people. Right. And, uh, that's, you know, I'm grateful for it. That's for sure. Right. Yeah. So <laughs> actually I do have a question about Friday. Um, and I, I hope I didn't miss it in the episode, but what is his relationship with um with his wife now like they they she seemed like such a rock star through all of this and and uh he, i know that you spoke to him like losing his car his family whatever but yeah, i, I feel close. like they're still close they've always been close Am I right? um and that's actually never changed you know even the only thing that really shifted was in the you know about 4 or 5 years ago was the boundary that he could not live at home um, <clears throat> because of his use. And they had, you know, very little kids in the house. Um, but even when he was not living at home, um, you know, they spoke every day. Um, he didn't have a vehicle, but she would go pick him up sometimes from a storage facility and he would go and have dinner with them and help put the kids to bed and read stories to the kids and, you know, she, she never, she never used the kids, um, to try to threaten him or, or sort of, um, you know, even just out of her own hurt and, and cause I can't imagine what it was like to be in her role in all of this either, you know, to share children with this man. And, and there must've been times where she was angry and resentful and felt abandoned and, um, and she never, I think sometimes people use all that hurt and then, you know, so how can I, how can I hurt him? And it can be the kids, right? Well, I won't let you see the kids or whatever. Yeah. And, and yeah, so that never happens. Um, and so they've always been close and she just has this incredible ability consistently to see him separate from his illness, you know, and she had said to me one time because she's, you know, I, I don't know if she's and in the last five years, if she's ever dated anybody, I, I don't know. I, Hey, you know, I would never begrudge her if she had, but she had said to me that unless she could find a man who was better than my brother sober, she wasn't interested. And, you know, and I think she's been able to always hold on to who he really is and love him despite everything, which is, I don't even like the word amazing. I feel like amazing doesn't do it justice, you know, but she's incredible. So they're, they're still close. I mean, right now, you know, he's still in fairly early stages of recovery, right? He's two months sober um, and just kind of going from, 
being in a residential facility in Thailand, and now he's in he's in BC. Um, so I think that they're both sort of taking it day by day, um, but they very much love each other. And you know, her she'll say her priority right now is his health, and that that for her comes first over their relationship or their romantic or would be or could be romantic relationship. She's just like, I just want him to be alive and healthy. Um, but they're very close still. Lisa, does she listen to the um, show? She listens to all of them. I don't know if she's had a chance yet to listen to the Friday show. My parents have both listened to it. Um, but yeah, I'm not sure if she's listened to Friday yet. Okay. But she does as a okay. So, so when I give her a special shout out, mm-hmm. she she will hear it. As I guess what the question is because um, I'm sorry, we're, we're calling you the sister in law because um, we don't know anybody's names, and that's the kind of the way it's been kept so far. And you are an amazing human being, right? I, I think, and again, maybe amazing not the right word, but it's the one that comes to mind because my lexicon isn't you know that big. What you what you've done is incredible, and what you continue to do is incredible. And I hope you uh, I hope you continue being such a force for uh mm-hmm. for the love model <laughs> you know it's 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 pretty great i want to say something else to that too um fridays are about the family and, and that episode was about all of you guys and i don't think enough credit could possibly be given that you're sitting here talking just now about um him being a part of their lives I, I, a huge shout out goes to him too uh and from my experience right when you're in an active addiction, it doesn't matter necessarily that you've got somebody who's going to come pick you up and bring you back for family supper. Just making that family supper is a big deal. Just staying a part of their lives is, is really hard to do, even when you have people that are trying to reach out to you. And the fact that he's able, had been able to maintain level, some sort of level of contact with his kids and not just in contact, but involvement in their lives through all of this says a lot about him and yeah. you've got to give him that credit, right? So, um, yeah, that's, that's, that's something else because um, when we're in it, sometimes our perceived reality can can stop us from from jumping on those opportunities and taking advantage of the you know of the fact that we still got people that, that love us. Um, big time personal experience there. So good to you, man. And good I agree. You, like right? I think, yeah, good to your brother. He's, uh, that's, I think that's for me, great I think it's what you just mentioned. I think it's again the fact that like I talked about on Friday, like I could probably count on one hand the number of times in five years, despite you know, significant struggle, the number of times he called and asked me for money. Like he just, you know, when I, when I was in that situation, it was hard for sure. Um, but he really, I think made a concerted effort to try to not put me in that situation. Um, you know, we talked about it on Friday as well. You know, he, he's been in my home, he's been in my family's home, he's been in his wife's home and through all of like, he, he didn't steal from people, you know, and, I mean, he was living it rough and he still was able, even at his worst, to not go to those places. And I think all of those things really speak about who he is, you know, as a, as an amazing human being. So. And it helps maybe break down some of the stereotype too. Right. You know, um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, not to try and put myself in, but I never did that thing with my family. Right. Like I just didn't. Right. There, there was a couple of, there was a couple of times. Yes, I did ask for money and I shouldn't have and all those things. Um, so to be treated like that at one point by, by some of them was really hard for me. Right. It's like, I, no, right. I wasn't that guy to you. That said, I've asked my money, my mom for money more times sober 
in like in the last like less than a year, right? Than collectively throughout my whole life, right? <laughs> she has said yes more times in the last year than collectively throughout my whole life, right? Um, the, the amount of support she's given me has just been crazy, right? <laughs> you know, right? I've actually borrowed and paid back money from mom. Right. And I, right? so that was, uh, uh, just recently at that too. So, uh, that feels pretty good. But, um, your guys' story, Lisa, and it's, it's since we, since we hit end record the other night, uh, I, I just keep thinking about it and how amazing it is because it's such a, a contrast to some of my experiences. And let's be honest, most of the experiences in the world, the, the, the love model is, uh, it, it's, a, it shouldn't be, but it is. It's a new concept. Right. And it's, um, at least to, to put out as, as, you know, to the masses anyway. Right. Um, it's a great example. And I really, I really hope that that interview, um, touches more people and more people and more people because it, it just, it's a perfect example of how it's just a better way. We don't even know what the outcome is yet. Regardless of that, it is such a better way for the family. Right. And we talked about that for, for you guys how freeing that must have been to have them in for Christmas dinner and just not stress about it. Right. You know, and, and when, when the, in those instances where the story doesn't end happily, um, to know that those were your, you know, the last, you know, well, I, I could say it to know that that's how you, you treated your loved one in the end would be so much better. Right. Just, yeah. Um, the, the baggage that doesn't come with that as compared to, the way we've been treated are taught for generations to treat the people suffering in addiction is yeah, it's profound. Right? So, yeah. That's uh, maybe, maybe Ryan will take offense to this, but it's, it's like they say that alcoholism and drug addiction are the only diseases that it's okay to yell at people for. You don't, you don't yell at somebody for getting cancer. But, you know, it's easy to yell at somebody for using drugs. It's easy to yell at somebody for drinking too much. Um, they're not doing it. Well, I mean, yeah, they're doing it because they want to, but they're not doing it because they want to. Does that make any sense? Like it's, it's, it's ingrained in them that that's what they have to do to, to get by in their life. Um, but yeah, if, if we started treating them more empathetic, like they, like they have a, a disease, um, you know, whether it be, you know, cancer or, you know, even if it's a, a, a sickness, like somebody has pneumonia, right? Like you'd never think yelling at somebody for catching pneumonia. Um, but for some reason, some people feel it's okay to yell at somebody for drug use or alcohol use. Um, and uh, I, I think the love model is, is definitely the way to go. And, you know, just let them know you're there to support them and, you know, you plant that seed and hopefully, hopefully they, they come around and, and they ask for help, uh, like your brother did, um, like you did Chuck, you know, you, you reached out, you said, I'm, I'm, I'm done with this. I, I need help. And, and, and Norma came around and helped and yeah. And then, you know, as, as you got better, you decided you were going to ask more people for help. And, you know, you, you reached out to people like Lena and, and me and, uh, you know, numerous other people from, from your life in the past. Yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, Lena even said, you know, at first she was angry, <laughs> right? She was angry, well, but she didn't let you know really how angry she was right yeah, away. Yeah, right. right? Yeah. Like 
she 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 kind of let you and her you know get together and 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 start that relationship again and then she put it to you and i think she put it to you live yeah, on did. air yeah, right like, i was mad yeah. you know yeah, yeah. but it but it was the right time to oh, call was, you was, out right well timed like, actually really you know, well timed yeah yeah yeah, because you know, had she done that the first message, then you would have just yeah, blocked her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, right, it's an so. easy thing to do. Let your brain go there, right? Um, I, yeah. yeah, it's it's a lot easier to be angry than it is to be happy. Well, and I I think that that's why we don't have enough people like getting the love model out there because it is so easy to just say you made this choice. You decided to do crack. You decided to do meth. Mm-hmm. Get out. Like we all know better on this show that it's it's a series of uh, micro choices, as you call that. them, <laughs> and, yeah, and yeah. you know, and and I don't, I just don't think the average person understands that. Like I think we need to do so much more mm-hmm. work um, with the families because it is like I can't stress that enough. It's I think as. The family member, it's much easier to just say, get out, fix yourself, goodbye. And in the end, so much harder too, right? If people understand, like, right? Like, in the end, that's not a decision most people are going to be happy with, um, depending on how things work out, right? Um, generations of it. How do you, you know, start here, I guess, uh, trying to get that love model, that message out to people, but it, it's been the only way for mm-hmm. forever and it's been the right way. And Lisa, what you said in that episode about, Going to that particular Al-Anon meeting, because they're all going to be very different. We have to be mindful about, you know, bashing anything 12-step because it, that is some proven shit over the years. Um, that that mob mentality about just leave them, right? And, and in some of the Facebook groups I'm in as well, you know, you know when, when it's people, when the group is centered around you know, being partners and spouses, and it's, it's just an easy thing for people to say. And, you know, uh, the love model is just so much better, so much better. I've, I feel like you should make a, a really great meme about the love model, Lisa. I, mean, <laughs> that's, that's <me>. yeah. <laughs> I do think we need yeah. one. Absolutely. Yeah, we do. Yeah, we do. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, mm-hmm. and inadvertently, the show has become very much about that. If you listen to almost every single episode, there, there is something at least touching base on that, on the love model. And, and, and I think that's a fantastic evolution for sure. Um, the choices thing, Lena, and thank you for using the term micro choices. It's just something that I think that was an original idea, but who knows? Back in the day that I, you know, that I'd come up with, not an original idea, way to say it. And it, it just, the way it come for me. And I was still very much an active addiction when I said that the first time. Um, had a conversation over supper the other night in the middle of our interview. Um, well, that's their choice. And, and I just, I kind of flipped out for a second, but I held it. Like I, I got my shit back together real quick and I said, do you really think that's what, like, do you, do you think that's what, like, I was doing? Right? Like, do you think that's what I was doing? And I got really emotional. I brought it back in quick, but no, right? That's not, that's not, I wasn't choosing any of that shit, right? It was, we're incapable of making choices at you that know, point the, in our lives. Whole, in what we're right? talking so, about right now with choices, uh, right? And, and people sort of pathologizing people with addiction as, well, you made the choice, right? And this is a consequence of your choice. But, it came up in a conversation with an ex boyfriend of mine um, and somebody who hadn't, you know, had no lived experience with addiction, who didn't have loved ones in addiction. And it was about five, six years into my brother's um, journey in addiction. And he was a guy who had partied like he, you know, I mean, I was a bit of a prude, right? I didn't 
I haven't done anything um, because my family history terrifies me and so I won't go near it. But this is a guy who he had partied, he'd done ecstasy, he'd done cocaine. Um, And so I was able to say to him, like, how as a teenager did my brother make any decision or choice different than you did? Yeah. He hadn't. He had he had made the same choices you did. He he felt like he was young. He was you know he was a teenager. He was invincible, as a lot of teenagers think they are, and he was out having fun wow. with his friends. The difference is, is I think that you know um, I think that my brother was predisposed to this suffering, and I think that unfortunately for him, those decisions yeah. were catastrophic. And I think other people are able to make the same choices and decisions, but they're able to walk yeah. away one day. So to me, it's like, how do we blame people who end up suffering in this disease for making the same choices that so many people make? They're not making unique choices, you know? uh, Again, I can't, I can't, like, the more you, the more I think about it, the more I love that. And, um, Lisa, I think we need to get together on yet another episode and, and dedicate that to the nature versus nurture. Lena, it was, I was talking to Lena about nature versus nurture, and that's, I did one episode on it, nowhere near versed enough in the topic at that time. I, I think that episode's still up. Um, and, and I did say, I think in there that, you know, I should come back to this when I've learned a little something about the fact. Anyway, um, I feel we need to get together and do one of those episodes, uh, and with your education and your lived experience. And, and you know, um, let's make a point of doing that. And now that I've said it on the show, then we're going to do it, right? So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, yeah, I think absolutely. it's a good idea. I yeah, think you guys yeah, really absolutely. should. Um yeah. So that brings us to my favorite part of the show that is the daily gratitudes. And um well, the great Daily Gratitude is brought to you by... Hey, this is Scott from the New New Friends Podcast, the podcast for adults who love to laugh at adulting. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Ashes to Awesome. The Daily Gratitudes are brought to you by the New New Friends Podcast. Please check us out, newfriendspodcast.com. We're streaming on all major platforms. If you just need laughter in your week, just an escape from what's going on in your life, I highly recommend my podcast to get you through that week, bring some levity and, and make you laugh. So check us out. No New Friends Podcast on all streaming platforms. That's newfriendspodcast.com. And now here are your daily gratitudes. And remember, you are loved. Okay. Um, Lisa, why don't we start with you for a couple, please? A couple few, however many you want to do. There's no limit. Awesome. I'm going to start with the same one that I'm going to start with as long as the universe allows me to. I'm grateful that my brother is sober today. Um, I got a picture of him yesterday, um, you know, a photo of him and Devin, and Devin didn't recognize him. So my dad actually drove his, yep, my dad drove his motorcycle out uh, out to Vancouver, and he literally is having lunch with my brother today and driving home. Um, But him and Devin both went to the airport and they were waiting for him. And um, apparently my dad pointed and said, oh, you know, there, there he is. And Devin was like, where? Like, I don't see him. And Devin did text me last night and said, I, I, I didn't wow. recognize your brother. Wow. Um, so he, you know, he looks good. He's gained weight. He, he's got a good <laughs> Thailand tan. Um, but yeah, so I'm grateful he's sober. Um, I'm grateful for my family. Um, you know, even the fact that my dad just drove 24 hours to go have lunch with my brother. Um, you know, when he came back, um, you know, I think that's, that speaks to the kind of support that my brother does have here for him. 
Um, I'm grateful it's the long weekend. I wish it wasn't so darn smoky, but you know, I'm, I'm grateful that it's the long weekend and, uh, yeah. And I'm, I'm grateful for my little girl. I was getting ready to do this this morning and, um, she brought me a picture. I don't know where it is, but she was downstairs while I was getting ready, drawing me a picture. And, um, I'm grateful to have an amazing little girl in my life who loves me and makes That's me happy. Awesome. That's awesome. Uh, KTA, what do you got for us? Yeah. Well, uh, this week I am grateful for family. Um, going to be meeting up with some family today to have a memorial service for an uncle of mine that passed uh, during COVID. And of course, because of COVID restrictions, we were unable to uh, attend a funeral. So we're going to do that today. Um, I'm also grateful for Lena and Lisa for joining us today. Um, they definitely provide uh, a different outlook that myself and you, Chuck, do not have on the situation. And I always love hearing uh, the point of view from the family and loved ones. Um, and I guess I, I'm, I'm also grateful that it's a long weekend because the only thing better than a four day weekend is the three day work week that follows for me. So <laughs> I, I will take that every uh, week. Lena, what do you got for us? Actually, no, before I um, edit this quick, uh, KTA, um, please pass on my best to the family. I, I knew a lot of those people back in the day, uh, and including that, that family member that passed. So, uh, please pass on my best to them. And, and yeah, if you can do that, that'd be great. Um, uh, Lena, what do you got for us? Um, off the top of my head, uh, it's same for me. It's, it's the family. It's my kids, my kids. Um, I'm sitting here thinking how lucky I am to have such well-behaved <laughs> yeah. kids. They're, they're not always. Like, super I always have this age. picture of them running around the table you know, eating. It. This is <laughs> well, and like that's how that's how the day started. Um, but you know, I said, "Mom's got to be on a meeting today," and so if if I could have you guys, you know, look after the cat. Not that they did a great job of that, but you know, they're upstairs. They're being quiet. They're not bugging me. You know, I'm 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 pretty lucky, and I'm looking at above my monitor here. I can see the the little gifts I got for Mother's Day, and you know, so that's still fresh. Cause you know, they're cute. Um, and, uh, I'm, I'm sort of, I'm grateful for my health right now. Um, not to get into it, but I, I suffer from chronic pain. I have a bad hip and, and it's generally, I'm at a, you know, 11 out of oh. 10 daily. And I woke up today feeling pretty good. So I'm, I'm happy so about celebrate that. Celebrate the victories, right? Um, for myself, uh, Lisa, you and yours, <laughs> all of them, right? Uh, your brother, your family. Um, I feel like that the recording we did for Friday is going to affect a lot of people and unlimited um, potential there. And your brother, for his whole experience in all of this, uh, it's 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 amazing that that you guys are where you are and I mean you're still in your journey and and thank you for sharing it with us as well, like all of it I mean it's amazing um, thank you for coming on the show in the first place and, and for sending that that message from when you first listened to Devin's interview with us right um, and I, sometimes the universe just has a way of providing and, and it, it most certainly did that day and, and continues to to this day so um, yeah um, another big one for me today as, as I'm sitting here 
and I keep talking about that family member that, you know, I've had the challenges with. I'm so thankful to her too, though. Right. And all of that, like not knowing a different way is 100% the reason she's a, an amazing human being. And, and it's done so much for me and my family in, in other ways. And I have to be really careful not to, to, uh, to villainize her in some way when, um, any mistakes that were made were made for lack of options in her mind. Right. So, uh, I'm very thankful to her and I'm very thankful to the rest of my family. Um, it just makes me think more and more every time you talk about it. It makes me think about my family. Um, and, and not just that, but the Ash Dawson family that goes with it and the support that I've gotten from everybody. Um, you know, we're, we're at 102 episodes now. It's kind of crazy. Um, and I'm very, very thankful to the listeners. You guys, man, this is, this is crazy. I, I was, I was looking at some, some ratings and stuff last night. Uh, keep doing that, please. Uh, Spotify, something's just happened in the Spotify world that's uh, really jumping here over the last few days, like really jumping in the Spotify world. Uh, so keep doing that, please, guys. Uh, keep up with the ratings. Keep listening. Keep sharing. Every time you do all of these things, you are contributing to me living my best life. And my best life is to make a humble living, spreading the message. The message is this. If you are in active addiction right now, today could be the day. Today could be the day that you start that lifelong journey. Reach out to a friend, reach out to a family member, call into detox, go to a meeting, do whatever the hell it is you need to do to get that journey started because it is so much better on the other side. If you are the loved one of somebody suffering in addiction, you're just taking the time to listen to our weekend ramble and we're all very appreciative for that. If you can just take one more minute out of your day and text that person, let them know they are loved. Use the words, you are loved. <laughs>